episode of Thick and Thin Hoops, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nithin. What's good, Nithin? What is up, man? Happy Thanksgiving. We uh, we missed last week uh, spending time with family. Uh, we know how far and few between that can be, but do you have a good break? Had a good break, same as usual, you know, a uh, big Thanksgiving meal, lots of football. Inspiring. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> Nothing fancy, man. How about you? Yeah, man, it was good. I did the same, though. We talked about this offline, but we don't do the uh, traditional Thanksgiving because of the high concentration of vegetarians in my home. So turkey has never been a part of the thing. And honestly, you know how everyone talks about how the dishes that are not turkey are actually the best on the plate, right? Yep. You know, everything else but the turkey. But to be honest, it feels like when unless you have that central figure, you don't end up making all the other stuff. And you exactly. end up making like, something you're not totally going to make different. stuffing. You're not going to make like the mashed potatoes if you're not going to do like the, you know, the turkey. Even though it feels like there's universal agreement that turkey is highly overrated. It is, but you know what? It's good when you mix it up. Like when you have a plate and it has, you have the mashed potatoes, gravy, yeah, uh, the turkey, a little mac and cheese, a little stuffing, and you mix all that up. The turkey adds a lot by itself. That's true. I agree. That's it's true. not good, but it's a really good base in that scenario because everything's got a little bit of flavor. You kind of come back home when you're ready to relax, and that home is the turkey. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I will so always we, I will always go to bat for turkeys at Thanksgiving. I know it's it's become a very common thing for people to be like, nah. It's the latest, yeah. Cancel culture has now come for turkeys. <laughs> yeah, people are trying to latest. cancel turkeys out here. Exactly. Um, you know how the president um, uh, pardons two turkeys every year. Yeah, and that's like this big ceremony. Those turkeys actually go live at Virginia Tech for the rest of their life. So that's like the only thing that we kind of. That's the only part of the national discourse that Virginia Tech is part of, but we <laughs> so, take home, we take uh, ownership of those turkeys. So, do you just have the stable of turkeys that you've accumulated over the years? I mean, yeah. Well, I, I don't know what the shelf life or the longevity is of those yeah. turkeys, or if they end up at our dining halls later. You know, <laughs> they pull a rope a dope on them and tell them it's all good, and then it's not. But yeah, um, they're there until, until until their last days. So, um, the other thing to bring up, um, Spotify just came out with their. Uh, 2021 wrapped right we saw a lot of people posting that and you know just it warms my heart to see all of the people who have sent us screenshots of thick and thin you know being in the top <laughs> oh no wait that didn't happen nobody said that i was about to say you got screenshots no n- absolutely not i mean they did bottom five and i saw a few in that was but, it at um, least the top one for you <laughs> so not no only because i don't listen to podcasts on spotify which yeah. is i Same. agree it's dumb i don't know what like kind of customer stickiness apple podcast which is a totally shitty app has over me but i've never switched like they make it impossible to even delete uh, episodes from your library you have to like mark as played instead of just remove download all sorts of stupid things but for whatever reason i just don't switch because when i go into spotify there's too much happening yeah and i like the the clean interface of like okay here are the four episodes you got teed up about dedicated space just for the pods yeah Spotify, I got Lagan, I got all sorts of like things <laughs> floating around. I got Drake. It's just confusing. Who who's your top artist? It's bad. Um so Noobs uses my Spotify account. Oh, okay. So oh, already, already blaming it on Noobs. Okay. So I think it's um Yo Yo Honey Sing, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> no, just I, honestly it was um yeah, it is it is people of that that ilk, artists of <laughs> similar, similar styles. What about you? Uh, mine was Future, and it was Future last year as well. 
I didn't even know Future made like that much music. I just love going back to his, his stuff. It's not like even he has anything new, but I think the whole thing that they did is kind of brilliant because it's like, in a way, you think nobody really cares. You know, okay, well, I listen to what I listen to, but the socialization of it is kind of a genius move because everyone's like, oh, I want to see what my rap is. I want to see my rap is, and then like start sharing the top five songs and top five artists and people get hyped because they're like, Oh my God, I was in top 1% of this. I was top 0.01%. I saw someone who was the top 0.01% of Miley Cyrus. Oh my listeners. And she posted it on her Instagram. And normally I would be like, okay, you listen to Miley Cyrus. I don't care. But then I was like, damn, that's actually pretty impressive. That is pinnacle fandom. You know, I, I always used to wonder, like, why Spotify didn't just have these stats available at any time. Like, you know, you can track just all your metrics. But it kind of makes sense they don't because it, it becomes this big, like you said, moment on social media where you have no idea what's going to be in your top, like, yeah. for twenty reveal, right? It's like a yeah. reveal. It's a big thing. And and so I kind of like it like that. The only your the only podcast I listen to on Spotify is the rewatchables because if I want to hear old movies, they get rid of the library on a- Apple, right? And basically yeah. everything else, it's only exclusive to Spotify. So I'll listen to that. So that was probably my number one. Mine, I think, was Thick and Thin, but not I because know. I I actually listened to it on the. I used to listen. Not to it because on you like it, but because you're forced to. <laughs> no, because I I always test it on Spotify first um, or listen there first often. But. The 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 simplicity of like, this is what's so frustrating about Apple, because obviously their features in general, whether it's the phone or other things, people like, you know, the fanboys are not hard to find, including myself. I'd put myself in that category. But like something as simple as like, can you offer more speeds than like these half increments? Like Spotify has like 10 different speeds you can pick. It's such an easy thing to build in. Like 1.25, I found to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. But it's not available on Apple, of course. So I got to hear people sound like they're coked out on 1.5 <laughs> or just like passed out on 1.0. I actually default listen to everything on one. I, you know, I am, um, I'm a purist. I like listening to it in its uh, intended form. With what about with us? I do us on 1.5. Yeah, we we're kind of slow talkers. I think I think our us on 1.25 or 1.5 is actually okay. But I never understand because like when I. I'm listening to myself right now. It doesn't sound slow, but then I'll listen to the podcast and it's like molasses. Well, that's also because you're used to listening to everything else on 1.25. It kind of just. But that's the thing. I, I listen to Bill Simmons, Zach Lowe, and Ryan Rosillo on one. And then Pardon My Take, The Ringer NBA Show, and uh, and um, JJ Reddick Pod on 1.5. Hmm. No idea why I split it that way. But if I try to switch it up now, everything sounds distorted. I could go from listening to a part in my take episode at one five to a Zach Lowe episode. You know how when you switch the speeds right after another, it sounds weird. Yeah. For me, it sounds weird if I don't switch the speeds. Like I expect Zach at one zero. Interesting. Well, part of it's probably because you like Simmons and Zach's pods the most. I want them to last you longer. You want them to last longer. Yeah. <laughs> I got a flight tomorrow morning. I'm saving the Rosillo one for it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thursday, but. All right, let's get into it. Basketball. So you've reserved judgment. We've said from the start, you're going to reserve judgment about any team, good or bad, overreaction, underreaction, till the 20-game mark. We are now past that. Uh, pretty much across the board, I think. Every team has played at least 20 games, and some are up to 23, 24. So yep. ample sample size now. 
Um, the biggest, I, I think, stories of the season have both been out west with the Warriors and the Suns. What's crazy is we spent a lot of time at the Warriors two weeks ago. The Suns we didn't even mention once. Meanwhile, they're on they're ripping off wins night after night, soft schedule until last night they played Golden State at home, eighteen and two versus seventeen and three. Phoenix came out victorious, one hundred and two to ninety. 104-96, excuse me. Devin Booker, of course, got hurt with the hamstring, and they still pulled away in the second half. So let's start with these two teams because these have been the, you know, the crown jewels of the West, which has been very bumpy other than other than these two teams. What were your biggest takeaways last night, and what do you think that means moving forward uh, for both franchises? So, well, first, I do want to remind you that the last loss the Suns had was to the Kings. I believe that's you guys putting up that banner. Yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, at that point, I was ready to put up some banners because we were (laughs) probably like 500 or one game above 500, and it looked like you know, um, it was finally our year. But how things have changed. Did you see the Knicks memes where they were putting up the banner for Iman Shumpert winning Dancing with the Stars? (laughs) I didn't see that. (laughs) Oh man, that's too good. Anyway, but, continue. But with the okay, so with the Suns, this game, I don't think we can take too much from it. I don't think we should overreact too much for it. Plenty of reasons. One, from the Suns' point of view, obviously Booker left the game, uh, did not play the entire game. We also had Curry with a out of character shooting night. Um, and yes, a lot of it we can talk about the defense and what, what Phoenix did to kind of slow him down. But that is kind of an anomaly game for Steph, and, and you're not going to see that often. So. I think my first take is the, kind of the boring one, which is I don't know if this taught us anything. I think the biggest thing I saw um, and the biggest promising thing for the Suns, um, because, you know, for a while it looked like the Warriors, this is a legit team. I mean, they still are a legit team. And how do you slow down that offensive attack? And I think Phoenix, the combination of Bridges and Aiden, um, you know, having Bridges kind of shadow Curry play on him for, for most of the game. And then Aiden's ability to kind of step out on the perimeter and contest those threes like that. And, and Aiden's been able to do that the last couple of seasons, but I think he's done a better job this year of switching, contesting. And that just makes them look like a whole nother beast defensively. And all, obviously all the other wings, Crowder, Johnson, like this team, there's no reason to think that it's it's weird to say because two weeks we didn't even talk two weeks ago we didn't even talk about them but that they can't be a finals favorite and I think it starts by the promise they show on the defensive end. Yeah, man. I mean, I think Phoenix is fucking awesome. Um, we as collective we there is we did everything we could to avoid giving them any sort of credit for last year's finals round. Oh, you didn't play Anthony Davis. Oh, you didn't play Jamal Murray. Oh, you didn't play Kawhi Leonard. You know. And then look what happened when you went up against a healthy Bucks team. You lost four straight. You know, it's like everything that we could do, we threw at that at that um, team to discredit how amazing last year's run was. Right? Then they come out this year. They start one and three, and you're like, okay, a little bit of hangover. Chris Paul's age is starting to show. DeAndre Ayton is in and out of the lineup. He didn't get the contract. What's that going to look like, right? From a chemistry standpoint. And I think all they've done since then is just eviscerate the league in a really, really impressive way. Like, yes, their schedule has been soft, but I don't care. I mean, they're still NBA teams, right? I don't care. You could win five games in a row, seven games in a row because of a soft schedule. Okay, you got the Pistons, the Rockets, Thunder, whatever. If you win 17 straight, you're playing some good teams. Then they go Saturday, smash Brooklyn in Brooklyn. 
Then they come back and beat the Warriors at home with no Devin Booker for most of the game. I mean, if you look at the balance of power right now at the top of the conferences, you could argue the East is prohibitively better than the West Um, in terms of like the top four teams in each conference. I'm taking the East all day long. What that tells me, though, is that you could argue that Phoenix might have the highest title probability of any team in the league, just given what they're going to have to go through versus what might have to happen for a Brooklyn or for a Milwaukee or a Miami or whoever it might be. Um, you know, you talked about DeAndre Aiden. He, he has been so special this year. And again, I was really worried about how that um, contract negotiations issue would have, would have uh, kind of weighed on this year. And I think he's just realizing, let me play as well as I can play. Let me go get that max contract. He's getting the max this summer. It's going to be either from Phoenix or another team and they'll have the option to match match. But so that's one piece. Mikhail Bridges. There's some, I think a little bit of a, over over hype in terms of the all-star talk and all those kinds of things. I think we could all like slow down on that point, but it should be said he is, I think um, Kevin O'Connor tweeted this last night on FanDuel. He is 29th best odds to win defensive player of the year, hmm. like at 120 to one, like this guy is still being slept on in a big way from, not just being a role player to being one of the like very, very best perimeter defenders in the league. If you look at last night, the way he guarded Steph Curry in a minimum of 30 matchups in a given game, that was Steph's lowest shooting percentage against any defender in his whole career. Uh, He shot 11% when being guarded by Mikhail Bridges. So yes, he had an off shooting night. Yes. That's not going to happen again. The Suns did a lot of things that gave him trouble, right? They put a lot of physicality on him. They kept Chris Paul far away from him, and every other player is much bigger than Steph on the court. And it should be mentioned, between Otto Porter and Jordan Poole, they also hit 10-3, so that may not happen again either. That's why I think you can take something from this game, and I think that Phoenix is the better team right now. Um, you know, We still got to see what Clay and James Wiseman look like coming back, but, I mean, dude, they are rolling. And I don't know that it's it's – you cannot call it a fluke any longer. No, it's not. And, you know, the point you bring about, up about Bridges is interesting because I was, I was thinking the same thing. I was listening to some pod where they talked about how his – off forgot which one it was, but how his offensive game is, is also kind of flourishing and he, he's picking the spots well. And I was like, wait, hold on. What, what, isn't he averaging like 11, 12 points a game? I have to double check. And, and it's still – he still hasn't scratched any sort of offensive ceiling yet, right? He's still very much – Couple threes a game. He's shooting lights out from three. Like he's forty two percent last year, forty close to forty percent this year. Yeah, but I I still think we have to pump the brakes on. I mean, he's amazing defensively. I'm still waiting to see if he can take that additional step offensively and become a little bit more of a shot creator um, and drive and and get to the rim a bit more. I mean, he only averages one free throw a game. So, you know, if if he can start building out that offensive game, all of a sudden you have a core in Phoenix where you're talking about Booker, um, Bridges, who already is great defensively, but if he can give you another scoring dimension, and Aiden, like that is a mm-hmm. contender for, for you know, once Paul's gone, um, this is still going to be a team to, to contend with. So I think what Phoenix is doing is legit. Uh, like you said, given the state of the West, this is, it's hard to see a path a very difficult path for them towards the finals if things hold serve the way they currently are. So 
Well, um, you know, the other thing that needs to be said, and maybe you could call this a regular season phenomenon, and we'll see what happens in the playoffs because Chris Paul teams always do this in the regular season where they execute so perfectly that they don't make mistakes. Now you look at it where Devin Booker is equally as clutch as Chris Paul is, right? Chris Paul, the guy who's going to hit every big shot, who's going to get to his spots in mid-range, who's going to make the right pass, who's going to defend. Devin Booker's doing the exact same thing next to him. So they probably have two of the five best closers in basketball on one team. So, you know, I don't know if you saw J.J. Redick on first take, but Stephen A. is, like, not used to, like, the um, actual real information coming through (laughs) from someone else. So, like, J.J. was spitting all these facts about um, the Suns' clutch time stats. (laughs) Meanwhile, Stephen A. was saying that the Suns' window is closed. Um, (laughs) And they were just going at it. But anyway... They are, I think, shooting, Chris Paul is shooting like 60-some percent from the field during clutch time, and same as Denver Booker. They're both shooting over 50% from three. Like, it is outrageous when the game's on the line, and even last night, right, the game was close. Um, It was like probably a two, three-point game in the fourth quarter, and Paul just, you know, put the clamps on. It was like, good night. Like, we're going home. Like, this isn't a game we're going to lose, and everybody else followed suit. And even without Booker, you know, you saw a little bit more Alfred Payton, which was that was a scary moment for all of us, just seeing him in a pivotal game. But other than that, I thought they were fine on all cylinders, and they're going to win most of these close games with those two guys at the helm. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about a close game. It was a one-point game with five minutes left. And yeah. if there's anything we've known about the Warriors this year, it's like they blitz you mostly in the third quarter. And if it's not the third quarter, it's the fourth quarter. And at, at some point watching that game, you were like, Steph is going to start hitting a couple of these. Steph is going to, you know, and that's just going to change the complexion. And yep. he never did. And Phoenix kept them at bay. And then, like you said, they pulled away at the end. And so I think it's it's a kind of, it's a, look, it's regular season. It's what, the 20th first game in the season. So we, we can't yeah. read too much into it. But for a team like the Warriors that no one could figure out how to stop, they, they forced Draymond Green into some uncomfortable kind of offensive possessions that he clearly didn't want any part of. Um, you're going to live with the Jordan Poole game. Uh, you know, he made some difficult shots. He's not going to continue doing that. So you did your job. You limited Curry. You limited Green's effectiveness. And, and you know, you didn't get burned by too many of the bench players. Like Wiggins didn't play well. Um, you know, Bayalitsa didn't do anything. So if you play like that against the Warriors, you're going to win. Like without yeah. play they're definitely beatable if they're not getting an A A game from Steph and and Draymond. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it right now, Golden State's first in the league in defense and Phoenix is second, right? So these were the two premier teams going at it. You know, okay, round one, Phoenix. This isn't, you know, we're not, again, we're not engraving any names on any any trophies right now. They do play again actually on Friday, which is kind of funny because me and you, we're going to be in New York. We should be watching that game somewhere, betting on it somehow. Um, It'll be like a 10 p.m. start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hate West East Coast, man. As much as I'm an East Coast guy, these late start times are brutal. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, so they're going to play again, and it's going to be in Golden State, I believe. So that, you know, let's say Steph hits eight threes and they blow him out. Is that going to really change this entire conversation? Well, it shouldn't because we're we need to be within some parameters about what it means. I do think there's some takeaways from it, but again, it doesn't kind of like write the story for either team. You know, one question that I have when I was watching that is DeAndre Ayton is, he's sort of a cheat code in the regard, in in the manner of saying, okay, well, you can get a guy who's going to dominate the glass, who's got soft touch inside, who's a great role man, and 
you're not going to lose anything on switching pick and rolls, right? Yep. Like when he's actually going to, they normally play drop coverage, but with Steph, they decided to hedge more and they decided to trap more. And he was doing a great job and he, and he decided to switch more and he was doing a great job. Like he was out there contesting, like Steph took a couple threes that sometimes he'll make, but DeAndre was right there. He didn't get smoked. So my question to you is how do the Warriors combat this with, a lineup that would have potentially Draymond, who's of course going to be on the floor in crunch time, either as a small ball five, giving up a lot of size to Aiton, or with a Wiseman or a Looney, who's a second non-shooter on the court, and suddenly spacing gets a lot tighter. What do you think like their solution is, and what do you think the better option is for them? I don't think it's Wiseman. I, I don't know how much you can rely. I don't know why people keep talking about Wiseman, like, oh, when Wiseman comes back. Like, we've... He's so raw, and at the level that they're playing right now, I don't think he's going to be a meaningful contributor. I think they're going to have to find someone. I don't know if there's a guy on their roster right now. Um, Looney was not effective last night, and he is supposedly that answer, right? When you want to go a little bigger, you need some of that size. And outside of Looney, they have no one. Um, they've got a lot of stretch four uh, is on the roster. I, I don't know who would potentially be they could go after, but I think they that is something that, um, Bob Myers is going to prioritize before the, the trade deadline via trade. I don't know if they sign someone. I don't think the answer is yeah, so, on the roster today. No, it can't be because Looney gives them, I mean, Looney and Draymond are such liabilities from deep. They'll get played three on five. Uh, as, yeah. as smart as Draymond is and as good of a passer and sort of like floor general as he is, he'll get exposed if he's the second non-shooter. So interestingly, the Wizards have Thomas Bryant, right, who's coming off uh, an ACL tear. Now, he, before he got hurt, was one of the most efficient players in basketball. I think he was shooting near 40% on threes. They have an interesting situation where they have Gafford, who they just paid, and they have Montrezl Harrell, who's literally like, yeah. potentially still got his all-star spot locked up. But <laughs> there's no minutes right now for Bryant if all things are healthy, if, if everyone else is healthy ahead of him. So... That could be an option, right, where Draymond still does a lot of the rim protection duties, but Bryant can help him on the glass and can space the floor. That that would be – and he makes $8 million a year. It's a very tradable contract. I'd be very interested to see if that's a guy that, you know, the Warriors target. And the Wizards look like, hey, we need some wing depth. Send, ironically, Otto Porter back. No, I, I don't know who they would send. <laughs> I, I don't know who it would be, but, like, somebody. you know, they, they wouldn't probably – <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't give up a Moody even for him, probably, yeah. but no way. something. That, yeah. No. Thomas Bryant would be awesome as a fit, yeah. I think. Um, I don't know. He's, what still, deal he's still a month from coming back. So it's kind of like he's on the clay time. Yeah, but I mean, the like. Warriors aren't worried about like help right now, right? This is more long term looking to the playoffs, how they're going to deal with that. So, um, yeah. I don't know, man. But, but I think if I'm the Warriors, look, you, like you said, it was defensively what Phoenix did bothered Steph. It was visible in that game. Um, it wasn't just a bad shooting night. But at the same time, Steph, you know, he is not going to have too many of those. You're getting uh, Clay Thompson back. And it was a close game all the way up until the end. So there's no panic for the Warriors. I think it's just, to me, coming out of this game, I'm just even more impressed by the Suns and even more convinced that, at this point, I think they are going to come out of the West, and there's no real other second team that I think competes with them. Well, I mean, Golden State, right? Like, if they get Clay back, like that's oh, yeah, a besides whole new Golden outfit. State. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this. If Phoenix had to look at their team and say, okay, this is our year to go for it. You know, Denver is kind of in a bit of – they're kind of in shambles. The Clippers are 
you know, treading water until Kawhi comes back. Dallas still looks uneven every night. The Lakers are total clusterfuck. So the, the, the Suns look at it and say, okay, this is our title shot. We thought we blew it last year. We have one more opportunity to really go for it while Paul is still playing at this level. What do they need, if anything? Or what would you do to this roster or just let it ride? I honestly think they're fine, right? The biggest issue they had last year was the big depth um, where that really screwed them over in the finals. JaVale McGee has been solid for them in that role and can like, you know, give spot minutes or if Aiden misses a game or you know or two. Mm-hmm. And then Landry Shaman, I thought, was also a good addition in terms of just giving them a little bit more scoring, another wing. Um, and and Cam Johnson, I mean, not Cam, sorry, Cam Payne, you know, last year was, we all knew it was an aberration of a year, like shooting lights out, his shooting numbers went down, but he's still been relatively steady for them and good, right? So Chris Paul, you worry about his minutes and 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 his fatigue and injuries. So I think they're actually solid across the board. Nothing glaring. Um, yeah. As long as what they're I, relatively healthy. What I really like is Booker and Paul are just over 32 minutes a game right now. So they're not being taxed. Um, this is, you know, when the Warriors went 73 and nine, everyone's like, dude, you guys are putting too much pressure on them. They're working too hard, but they weren't working that hard. They were blowing yeah. everyone out and Steph was sitting most fourth quarters. You remember? So like, yep. yeah, they got 73 and nine and you can argue they probably went for it a couple nights, but it wasn't like that much out of the blue, out of the norm, let's say, versus what they would have done to go 68 and 14. Right. Yeah. And so you know, when, the, when they lost the title that year, of course, revisionist history was going to be like, well, it's because you guys went, no, that was not it. They were up 3-1 in the finals, like had nothing to do with it, right? And that's how I feel about this Phoenix team. Like, no, I don't think they're going to go for the all-time wins record, but I do think that winning 17 games has been in the flow of the normal sort of like plan that they had in place. Nobody plays over 35 minutes a game. You know, only Bridges is even over 33. And so you look at the minutes dispersion, like it is exactly what you would want this early in the year playing 10 11 guys figuring out what you want i think shamit's going to be big in the uh in the playoffs because he's another shot maker um and he confused he looks confused people would confuse him for bookers you don't know who you're guarding at any (laughs) given moment um where is it danny green we don't even know um and yeah i think javel's been awesome right like ayton got hurt javel stepped up there was like nothing lost and so I'm curious if they would have had him last year, would we have seen a different result or was it just Giannis going to like supernova level? It doesn't matter, but nonetheless, yeah. I think they're primed for another run. Yeah. And, and, you know, to your point about the 17 games in a row, that's tough, especially when your team, look, Phoenix proved they went to the finals last year. They're one of the top teams in the West. They've got Chris Paul. Like you said, they're managing the minutes a little bit. This, I don't know if it's, um, they're playing way less minutes than last year, but like they're managing it to a certain extent this year, you know, and they're not playing crazy minutes yeah. and they're still winning this many games in a row. Like that is a testament to the talent, to the coaching and that this team is legit because it's, it's easy to have a schedule loss, right? Especially early on in the season uh, or no, not especially early on in the season, but a lot of times teams can catch you off guard early on in the season and they just continue to chug along. So, I don't know, man. Let's see. What is what is the record again? The Warriors had the Heat had twenty seven. They no, the yeah, the Heat, the LeBron Heat had twenty seven in uh in twenty thirteen. I think the Warriors actually only won like twenty four in their year. Remember, it was Luke yeah. Walton. He started off like twenty four and zero or something like that. Yeah, and it was when Steve Kerr was out with the back problems. 
but I don't think they had a longer win streak than that. And then so the, the Rockets NBA record, had 22, I think. Right? Rockets had 22. The NBA record, for those wondering, is 33, which is the 1971 Lakers who had uh, Jerry West and Wilt Chamberlain. And I think Kareem was there by then. I don't remember. No, no, he was still in Milwaukee. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah. Will Chamberlain, Ella, Elgin Baylor, and 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 uh, Jerry West. Three. I feel like that's untouchable. Guys. Like twenty-seven, yeah. maybe. The thirty-three is like in today's day and age. I. Well, this one is going to get tested on Friday itself, so it might not even get yeah. to twenty. Yeah. Um, if, <laughs> let me see. Let me just check their schedule because if they happen to get past Golden State, who they have after that? Because eventually they might just start resting guys. Okay, so they're Detroit tomorrow. Golden State on the road, San Antonio, Boston, at the Clippers, at the Blazers, home versus the Wizards, home versus the Hornets, and then at Los Angeles, Lakers. So it's not going to get – I mean, that's 10 games. It's not going to get to the LeBron heat, but – yep. Actually, they they play Golden State on Christmas. I didn't even realize that was one of the Christmas Day games. So they're going to play them three times in this calendar year alone. Span of like, yeah, just a month. Interesting. Um, All right, so let's pop out. So I think you and I are aligned in that these are the two real contenders in the West. Utah is sort of trucking along. They've put together a couple nice wins, but they're still in the camp of where they beat the shit out of these really bad teams, and then they don't always look great against the good ones. And in the playoffs, when you only play good ones, this ends up coming up more often than not. And so yeah. I think we have to be in a wait-and-see wait mode about Utah. Yeah, Utah is it's the classic case of a team that we've seen dominate the regular season three years in a row. It's kind of like Milwaukee, right, where they were at. Um, yeah. I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to say anything. They have the exact same roster pretty much until uh, I see them in the playoffs. Mitchell's not looked – he – I thought he was going to take a really big step. Like, if you remember, he was my dark horse MVP guy. And I think maybe yours, too, yeah. actually. Um, he has not mm-hmm. looked super consistent this season. His shooting is is fell off a cliff from last year. And I don't know. Like, the numbers are down across the board. They're still winning. They're 14-7, and seven, and that's fine. But, like, something seems a little off with him. Um, I'm trying to figure out if it's just kind of early season rust. Yeah, I mean – his numbers are down across the board, but I I still think he's he's fine. There's nothing alarming. Uh, yeah, it, but, it's too early for a team that's winning to be sounding the alarm. But yeah. Um. Okay. So looking into the East, uh, we have the Nets. As much as they've kind of gone off to a bit of an uneven start, they're first and have been first for a couple of weeks now in the West. They have a game and a half lead on. The Wizards, oh, remember them? Um, the Bucks and the Bulls, who are all 14-8, and eight, followed by Miami at 13-9. and nine. Now, the couple teams that are starting to click click are the Hawks, right? Trey Young's been playing a lot better of late. The Celtics, who got off to a terrible start. And then the Sixers, who had a bunch of COVID issues. Embiid had really bad COVID symptoms, actually, but now he's back. And, you know, they lost tonight to Boston, but at least this is the right time to judge them versus whatever was going on in the last three weeks. So what are your thoughts about as contenders start to form? Like who are you betting on outside of, let's say Brooklyn and Milwaukee? Uh, what else has caught your eye? I still think it's Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Um, you know, Washington, I'm not taking seriously just yet. I'm sorry. Um, they'll be there, but uh, the heat is, is one is a team that, um, They've struggled a little bit more recently. 
They now just lost Bam. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Do you know how long he's gone? Was Four to six injury? weeks is the initial report. Yeah, because he's got to have surgery. Yeah, and so, I mean, like, obviously, this is a team that the Heat is, they're looking to the postseason. They're not worried about the regular season, but they have not looked, I mean, they came out guns blazing the beginning of the season. Uh, I think I think they taken a step back. So I really think it's it's Milwaukee and and Brooklyn. And Brooklyn, look, we talked about James Harden a lot at the beginning, um, and he's come on quite a bit this last month. Um, I think he put up what against the Knicks like thirty four eight and eight. Uh, he's still looking a little yeah. uh, a little, you know, out of shape still in my opinion, but. I think he's getting his confidence back. He's getting his scoring back, kind of figuring how to play around the new officiating. And they keep chugging along, man. So I, I think and we forget that Kyrie, at some point, Kyrie's going to come back. And I don't. Um, I, what, what makes you think that? I don't know. It's, I mean, I don't know what, what the status is going to be with Omicron and, 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 you know, the newest variant, obviously. But... Um, New York's going to lift the ban at some point, right? It doesn't sound like that's going to happen this year based on what they're saying. I mean, it doesn't sound like the thing is every like when Eric Adams got elected mayor, he's a bit more progressive in some ways, you know, maybe a bit more of like an open minded thinker or whatever you want to call it. So he didn't. So there's some thought that they would move away from those kind of measures. But the reports are that the NBA is not expecting that to happen this season. And then when you have new variants that have developed, it's not going to move anyone towards lifting restrictions anytime soon, I think. Yep. Yeah, so maybe he's not going to come back, right? I, I keep thinking, though, that eventually, um, once they you get the, kind of guy. Do you think the Nets should have allowed him to play road games? No, absolutely not. I think they've handled this well. Like They shouldn't do this pandering to him you know on the road and let him play those and sit at home it doesn't make any sense i think it would have been disruptive but i think when you watch them sometimes and durant is on the bench and harden's kind of doing his like you know dribble 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 like trying to step back three trying to draw fouls and it's not really working like they're too reliant on patty mills right now for secondary creation and that's really scary um especially when you're not getting anything from guys like Blake Griffin. Um, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, we try to bury that dude in week one. He's actually been one of their better players. But you're not getting anything from him. Joe Harris is now hurt. Yeah. Um, you know, Bruce Brown is not the, like, Cinderella that he was last year. DeAndre Bembry can't hit a shot. So suddenly this thing, you know, Cam Thomas is a rookie who plays no defense or does anything else but shooting, shooting the three. So it's not a guy you could play in crunch time. I'm worried about what that looks like. And maybe it doesn't matter because you have Durant and Harden. But, you know, of the two, Harden's not exactly writing, you know, the greatest of postseason stories, even if Durant might be. So that's the piece that I think I, I, I would easily pick Milwaukee over Brooklyn right now in a series. Easily. I don't even think it would be that close. Yeah. At, at this point, Milwaukee's clicking. Um, they've won, what, seven in a row? Uh, yeah, and I think they're undefeated when all three of their big three play. Yeah, and and you know what? It's and it's been good for them. Some of some of their guys got a lot of burn early on, like Nuora, Grayson Allen. They've had to rely on them a little bit more in that early stretch without Middleton and some of the other guys. Yeah, and now with a full or pretty much healthy squad, 
they're blitzing teams, right? Uh, and Giannis is still putting up big. I think he had forty the other night. Like, yeah, and he had thirty-eight I tonight I plus the game-winning layup over uh, amazing game uh, versus Charlotte. Actually, oh, I did not see that. Um, 127, 125 bucks were down 18 Lamelo hit eight threes, including one to tie the game with five seconds left. And then Giannis went coast to coast for a game winning layup. And so, I mean, the way he's playing, I, I agree, but there's something, I, I don't know why I still believe in that Nets team. I, I just think that if they can get Kyrie back with all the problems they have on the roster, with the fact that Blake is for a guy, like Blake was like their what third best player in the postseason last year. Second yeah. best player, if you count like Harden struggles, and he's not giving them anything. Um, I like I, I, assuming they get Kyrie back. I still think it's a seven game series in Milwaukee, so I'm not ready to just crown Milwaukee just yet. Well, I think that you have Durant, right? And Durant is the eraser of problems in a way almost nobody in the league is, except maybe LeBron, or at least I don't know about this version of LeBron, but in general, <laughs> right? So, yep. um, he's a guy that. We just saw it. He can play. He can play forty-eight minutes a game every night, and Harden can play forty-eight minutes a game every night. Really, if you wanted them to, like, I don't know how. I the, one of the great what ifs is if Durant's foot was behind that line, could he have just kept doing what he was doing? Like, I mean, did he? Would he have needed to? You could argue maybe not, but Atlanta was no slouch, right? Like, Atlanta was going to be the team they played next. I'm so interested to see if like. Would he ever been required to go to the forty-five plus minute category every single night for them to win that series? And then again, the next one. I don't know how that would have played out if he could have even withheld that kind of intensity. He might have had to, but I would not bet against him. Right? Would you bet against them in the Atlanta series and even against Phoenix? Like, no, they would have won. I think. I mean, the the reason why I brought it up because he was asked the question like, "Hey, your foot was behind the line and almost cost you a title." Or it did cost you a title potentially, yeah. right? And he was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, did you see the minutes I was playing in that series? You think I was going to be able to do that for two more rounds?" He himself said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think he was going to have to do that necessarily. Like, you forget, right? Harden was playing in that series, but he coming off of that injury, and he was like, I think with a couple more games under his belt, he no would have been able to. What? Dude, he 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 was talking about the start of this year. He's still like lingering effects from the hamstring. He was not going to be okay. The hamstring. The only one thing they do with the hamstring is you got to rest for like two months, a month. Yeah, maybe maybe that's fair. Um, but I think K- Katie was also being politically correct. He yeah, wasn't going to be not- like, yeah, we would have rolled the Hawks and Suns. Those teams <laughs> suck. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I'm still impressed every time I watch watch the Nets um, and watching what Katie does. I have too much respect for that to, to write them off yeah. in the Milwaukee series. So, but, but I think, you know, all that being said, where we're at with the East is I don't take the Bulls heat. Um, the Bulls and heat, right. I think are the two teams that could really make an argument that they're a bona fide contender. Yeah. I don't see them there just yet. Uh, I still think they're in that tier below. I mean, Miami's problem is kind of what we talked about, which is how are they going to generate easy offense? And it doesn't feel like they have a real way to do so. And now with the BAM injury, Butler's got a bruised tailbone. He's been out the last few games. Like, you know, you're not going to rely on Kyle Lowry to make a bunch of shots down the stretch. He can do it, right? He He's proven it's possible. It's not going to happen every night the way you could rely on a Trey Young. In fact, I might even trust the Hawks 
maybe more than I trust the Heat, just because they generate so many good looks and they have so many guys who can knock down shots. Defensively, they're not what the Heat are, but they still have Capella in the middle and Collins has been pretty, you know, able defender. So the other the other team that I think is worth talking about is Philly. They're 11 and 11. They're sitting in the play in mix right now. Again, they've had a ton of COVID problems and no Ben Simmons. They they haven't beat back. It's been a little uneven, but at the same time, he's good enough to always give them a chance every time on the floor. And then the real big question is, is Ben Simmons going to be traded? I think every podcast has talked about this like ad nauseum. So like, are they going to get something for him this year or are they not? Where do you, where, where do you think that that shakes out? It goes into the summer. Dude, I have no idea. I, at this point I say summer, who knows? I know Sacramento's probably itching to pull a deal and Philly's probably not going to do that. Um, I think it might go into the summer, but but I think Philly's it's a little bit of fool's gold to Philly. It's been impressive what they've been able to do with Simmons out or with Embiid out without having Simmons, and they're kind of they're staying afloat, right, in five hundred range. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a team with the same core issues that they had before. When you get to the postseason, the shot creation, you know, Tyrese Maxey has has been a revelation for them, but who can you? They've learned they can't trust Tobias Harris. Um, as a, that secondary scorer, and they just ride and beat until you know he can't take them anymore. And I, and I think they still have the same fundamental issues that I don't take them seriously as a postseason contender. I think when all said and done, they'll be a four or five seed. But and Simmons, yeah, I don't like think he's going to back. Like if he doesn't get traded, he's definitely not coming back, right? So as much as I love Seth Curry, he can't be your best perimeter scorer. And that's what it is on a lot of instances. Like Tyrese Maxey has been great, but he's also kind of up and down. Like he's all yep. over the place. Like he'll mm-hmm. shoot, you know, 14 of 21 one game and like five of 21 the next game. And that's just kind of the way it is with him. He's a young guard. It's to be expected. He's what, 20 years old. So I think it's a lot of pressure to put on his shoulders to, be, to say, hey, you're the point guard of the future. Now, what's interesting is I was thinking about the Simmons situation and I was like, well, Maxie's playing as well as he does. Maybe you don't need a point guard back, right? That was always the thing. It's like if you don't trade him for a point guard, if you do trade him for like a CJ McCollum or whoever, well, then who's going to run the point? And now that the answer is Maxie, it gives you more flexibility. But you have to be confident that you can trust Maxie as the main guy without like a great backup um, for that to work. Cause the trade that I think makes the most sense is something with Toronto that brings Pascal Siakam and maybe, you know, one other piece back. Um, you know, and then they can bring, build around Simmons, Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi. Like that has some legs to me. Um, who are you sending back again, if you're a Philly? You would send Simmons for, uh, for Siakam and someone. I don't think oh, you can do it. Trade. Got it. Got it. Yeah. 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 But then the question becomes, can Maxi shoulder all of the responsibilities? Because at least if you if you trade for C.J. McCollum, now again, I don't know if Portland would do this, but if you traded for a C.J. McCollum-Robert Covington package, which is what was rumored in the offseason, C.J. can at least take on some of the ball handling. So even if Maxi is there, he's vet. not going to – And he's a vet. Siakam is not really a guy you're going to like give the ball to and be like, all right, go create for us. No, that that has only been a disaster for Toronto since they won the title. So, yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think um, I just think Maury needs to be a little bit more aggressive. And that's one thing that's a little surprising to me. Not just Simmons. I think this roster, um, as good as they've been the last couple of years, I thought after last year, they needed to do a little bit more shaking up. 
Um, I, I guess they can't get off that Tobias Harris contract. That's a contract I always wanted the Kings to go after. Um, very Kings-like big, player, like big empty deal. stats. And, but we need, <laughs> you know, um, we need more wings. And I was willing to, you know, send. Some but you kind of have the same out. play. You have like a quiet Tobias Harris in Harrison Barnes. Harrison too. Barnes. Yeah, yeah, but you can never have enough of those wing. Like we're so, um, like, lacking in wing depth that. Do you want to tie up money into Harrison Barnes and Tobias? I don't know, but the Kings need to just mix it up, right? So, well, he he makes too much. Like he's on a max deal, right? It yeah. was like a five for one sixty or something like that when he signed it. So he's making annually not, over no, it thirty million. Five. Well, was it yeah, five dude. Him, oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, him and him uh, and I remember him and yeah. uh, what's his name, Chris Middleton signed the same deal, and I clowned both of them. But it looks like <laughs> the Middleton one's actually not bad. Um, let me see what kind of contract he's on. Wow, Tobias has been in the league for ten seasons, and he's played for five teams already. Jeez. Um, let's see transactions, but yeah, I mean, I think you know the report that came out the other day when they were rumored to be after Jeremy Grant, which didn't make sense for in terms of like all the like crazy superstars they were asking for. Yeah, he's yeah. making 34.4 million this year. Wow, okay. Um was that there's 30 players in the league that they would accept a trade for, right? And they expect about 10 of them or so to become available in the next 1 to 2 years, <laughs> which means they're planning on what sitting on their hands for that long like how yeah. does Embiid not put his foot down and say, what the fuck? Like, I'm an all-NBA player, like, and I'm MVP caliber. Like, what are you guys doing? You're wasting my career right now. That's what I don't understand, um, why there isn't more pressure. I mean, maybe there is a lot of pressure, but why they haven't done anything. But um, it starts with Simmons, right? I just think at this point, you you have to move him and get something back. But maybe they're better off waiting till the offseason. Um yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of these situations now with like a lot of guys like stars not playing either through injury or other reasons. And it's put a weird damper on things because you want to see the Nets at full strength. You want to see the Warriors at full strength. You want to see the Sixers, like even the Lakers have had a bunch of issues like LeBron got hurt. Then he got COVID. And it's like, it's this, which did you see his tweet today? Yeah. Something yeah, fishy yeah. going on. With the fish with all the different fish emojis. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice it was a nice tweet um very well crafted um but apparently he had like a negative test and then a positive test positive. so there's like some include inconclusive results going on and it was like the pcr but, test that gave him the negative result or so then he was yeah yeah and he's obviously vaccinated but you know we know that you can still get it it's just i don't want to go through all that again but nonetheless um la covid is having some problems um and he hasn't he's missed over half their game so far this year, right? He got suspended one game. Like it's been on we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, I mean this Lakers team, this is exactly what was it, the Kobe Dwight Nash team. Yeah, where Gasol, yeah. the year before they were a, a a good team and then what they got swept by Dallas? Immediately, yeah, and the year before that, they won the title, so there you could go back two years it's, for it's those. Parallels. Literally, it's an exact parallel, and that's when Kobe started to kind of 
he was still getting his points, but you know, he was clearly not the same player. And I think LeBron has hit that stage too. And it's crazy. The parallels between that season and this one to me are spot on. Like this Lakers team is going to be, they could be in the playing game. Remember I said that at, that was a bold prediction. Uh, the first week of the season and uh, it might come true. And then, you know, they might get swept by like the Warriors or the Suns. Like, can you imagine like this Lakers team is struggling so much with the Kings, the Thunder, the Rockets of the world, like a well-coached team like Phoenix, Golden State, they're just going to run circles around. Thing is, a lot of people have talked about how insanely easy their schedule has been and therefore it's going to get way harder and they're in a bad spot. I go the other way. I think they're super lucky to have won the games that they've even won. Like they, yeah. like even the Pistons game when LeBron got ejected, they were down like 15 or 20 points, right? Yeah. They keep pulling out these random ass wins out of their ass, even though they're not against good teams. But those wins are going to matter, honestly, given like the parity in the West because you're trying to get out of that play-in. Or even if you're in the play and you're trying to make sure you're seven and eight. And I think these wins are going to absolutely matter. Like, I just don't see them like a team with LeBron and AD. I, I, I don't care what you say. I just I don't see them like losing a ton. Like they're not just going to get smacked around every night, even if it seems that way right now. Um, so I do think these these wins are going to help them. But if you look at like 538's playoff odds, they have them at 28 percent likelihood to make the playoffs. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't, I mean, 538 index is too much on like just their current. It's unclear what they, yeah. Yeah. Like the Wizards, though, this is a little, uh, little frustrating here. They're at 49% to make it. Oh, wow. Even though they've been playing fine, it's because all these other teams, like the Celtics, Hawks, everyone else yeah, has started to pick it up. Yeah. So then they are, Sixers like, two, Celtics are at eight. Exactly. Like Celtics are at eighty six percent, Hawks are at eighty eight percent, so they've pushed the Wizards down. Um, all right. Well, yeah, I think I think this is like you know a lot of people talk about Christmas Day as the real start of the NBA season. I think we'll 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 see a lot. I think over the next month, it's going to kind of help us shape that. So when the real quote unquote season does start, it's going to be a little bit more separation than we have right now. Um, and it should be a fun kind of finish to the year. But right now it's a little up and down. I'm not sure it's like the greatest season of all time. It is, and it's been, it's been a weird – I don't know how to describe it. It's been a weird start to the season. But, you know, once we're past Christmas, once football's died down a bit, once the Bucks have repeated as champs, you know, then we can kind of get into the full swing of things. The 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 fact that it's like the Bucks Pats is like a very real possibility. Yeah, I know, right? Me just like, throwing up daily. No one's looking forward to it. The funny thing is, like, that'll be one of the most like viewed and hyped Super Bowls. But it feels like everyone is already complaining about that possibility just because I just want Packers. I just want Packers Chiefs. Like, is that too much to ask? You're not Packers Chiefs could do the biggest numbers of all time. Possibly. We've never we've never had Rodgers Mahomes, right? Like he keeps getting like somehow pushed off. It's probably Rodgers' last You're season. I feel like Rodgers Mahomes, we've been waiting for this for 15 years. Mahomes I mean, they're probably the two <laughs> they're probably the two greatest throwers of the football ever. I mean, I think Brady Mahomes would have been the biggest Super Bowl ever if it wasn't for COVID, right? Because the last year was kind of a wonky year. Um and 
And if it wasn't for like the fact that the Chiefs lost their line and then the whole game, like it was never. Oh close. my God, let's not go back to that. The Chiefs. No, but my point is it was never competitive. If no, it was no, but a it would have been hyped. Game. I'm not talking about going into the game. I'm not talking about what the game turns out to be. Yeah, going into it. Yeah. Because it was, a, yeah, I mean, you're LeBron won a fake championship and so did Brady. So <laughs> Mickey Mouse the, rings. Yeah. Yeah. A Disney. <laughs> I love A Disney and La COVID. <laughs> I don't know why, but I have this like masochist behavior of checking Twitter comments under like these like oh, aggregator yeah. accounts, like NBA Central or even Bleacher Report, and it's just the lowest denominator of discourse that you could ever imagine. It's so fucking stupid, and it's like, are these real people? Like, I just hope for the sake of society that these are not real people. <laughs> even in satire, even in trolling, it's so fucking dumb that it's not clever or interesting or creative whatsoever like yeah yeah it's um the 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 long explanations of lamicky's fraudulent ring right it's just, yeah he's it's, like he's like lamicky is zero and 10 in nba finals yeah <laughs> um oh my God. but yeah th- those jokes the the la la anything with lebron always well, gets china me. has been coming up recently because of uh enos Cantor freedom yeah which, yeah, I don't even know if we need to get into let's, that. Let's, um, let's avoid that. And, lighting, then, and then the other one that always gets me is, and you don't see it on Twitter as much. It's more on Reddit, but um, Antonio Brown, Mr. Big Chest, uh, NBC, mm-hmm. they always like put in, depending on what shenanigans Antonio Brown's up to, they'll replace the NBC with like some other abbreviation. Um, <laughs> and like, the BC is like Big Chest. Uh, no, no, the BC is not Big Chest. They'll be like, when he had the fake vaccination card, it would be like Mr. Beats COVID or something, you know? Like, it, yeah, 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 yeah. What happened to that? Did that end up being fake? Or he hasn't it played all, since. It was all BS, man. No one. Uh, the I NFL's mean, investigating it, apparently. But this is uh, me uh, applying my judgment, which I shouldn't be doing. But when I heard the news, I was like, okay, if there's one player who would pull this stunt, it's 100% Antonio Brown. No, what I panicked about was he said, or the chef said another player was involved in the Bucks. My first thought is, oh God, Brady's getting into something like. Brady would <laughs> never scale. fucking. Dude, he, he was unfairly suspended for Deflategate in this regard. They couldn't actually pin anything on him. They like came up with some dumb ruse that the deflator was a guy trying to lose weight or some idiotic thing. They took his phone. They couldn't find anything, right? No, d- no didn't say he, he like try to, he wipe his phone before he gave it back to Yeah, something? something like that. Either way, he's not going to get caught with anything, but they still suspended him because they're like, we fucking know you were involved. <laughs> yeah. In this instance, they would have probably also not been able to find a damn thing on him. Like he is way, way too like, like obsessive about what he needs to do on the field to ever jeopardize that. Oh yeah, there's no way he's running around just with some fake vaccine card trying to Yeah, if anything, he's, like one of his like connects connects is like hooking up, hooking up AB with that. No trace to Brady. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the NFL is some, if there is some connection, you'll never hear that connection again. No, the NFL is another league, by the way. That just it's just there's like five good teams, and they're like they're all like super flawed. Um, you know, like yeah. uh, Washington is in the seventh playoff spot right now with a record of five and six, and there's a real world chance that they can finish an eight and nine and make it. You know, like the Cowboys are supposed to be awesome, and then they get beat by the Raiders after the Raiders have sucked for like multiple weeks. You know, 
the Bucks were down big against the Colts, and they like the Bills lost to the Jags and lost to yeah. they looked terrible against. Oh, they lost killed by Indianapolis. So who knows, man? Can you imagine if we got another Brady Heineke match in the postseason? <laughs> it, it's yeah. funny because like if they played again, I mean Brady's. I guess he was only the first year in the NFC, but in the wet in the AFC, he's probably played Flacco a couple times yeah. and like Manning, and it would be like Manning, Flacco, Roethlisberger, Heineke. Heineke. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we're we're actually it's a little concerning. We look way better without Chase Young. I don't know what to make of that, but I'm just gonna bury it and not think about it for Ewing now. Theory. Ewing theory. Yeah, big time Ewing theory. But all right, that's a wrap for us. Um, I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow, uh, Friday. Um, yeah. We were gonna do a live show, but we saw how poorly that worked planning wise <laughs> last time you were last time you were in town, so we avoided it. But um, yeah, please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin. Please follow us on social media. Um, hope everyone out there has a good week, and we will talk to you next week. No more breaks. We've already taken two breaks out of like the five <laughs> weeks this season has been alive. So we got to keep it consistent from here on. Out.